0: Hey there, Freedom Fighters. My name is Andrew Warner. I'm the founder of Mixergy, where I interview entrepreneurs about how they built their businesses. I found out about today's guest, Tomer Rabinovich, because he's got a new book called Ride the Amazon Wave. And I read it, and it's all about how he sold products on Amazon and what he learned from doing it. And truthfully, he I don't think he mentioned a single product that he sold. So I reached out to someone that I know and trust and I said, Is this, is this guy for real? What's he up to? And I got a little bit of information. I understand why he can't talk super openly. He's smiling because he he knows that I pushed him in, and he's not going to get super open about the specific products, but the methodology we will be open about. And I think what he's been building is interesting. I'm also curious about why freaking Amazon? Why not Shopify? Why not build your own store instead of building on a platform where you have to hide your, your products? For fear that someone's gonna copy you, or I don't know what. All right. Anyway, I invited Tomer on here. Super exciting part of uh, the online uh, business world. I want to find out how he did it, and we could do it thanks to two phenomenal sponsors. The first, if you're looking to invest in in startups, like maybe you know an entrepreneur who's building something great, and you want to bring a few of your friends together to make an investment in it, Vauban is the platform that will help you do it. And I'll tell you about them uh, later. I'll also tell you about our second sponsor, the company that will help you hire developers. It's called Lemon. They're at lemon.io slash mixer But first, Tomer, you're not going to give me the specific revenue numbers, but you're going to give me ballpark. Tens of millions, fair to say, or what?
1: Um, yeah, <sighs> fair to say, yeah.
0: <laughs> That's all you're going to say. <laughs>
1: yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, I think uh, numbers are are not yeah. that important, you know, like, To me, it's, um, and I know you got my email from yesterday. To me, it's about the lifestyle that you can get from running an online business. uh, Opportunity that like our parents, grandparents didn't really have in their lifetime, so.
0: You're talking about the one where you emailed your list and I'm on your list where you said, here's what I'm doing, building Lego with my kids using the same Lego set that my parents saved. And I get it, but dude, you could do that as a kindergarten teacher and then come home and play with your kids. I feel like numbers are important. That you're able to, I think, have more impact because you have more revenue. You're able to do more in the world because you have more revenue. And I don't know why you're downplaying the tens of millions of dollars, but don't you agree that there's more there than just lifestyle?
1: Yeah, yeah, there there obviously is. Like, I think it's also uh, being fulfilled at the same time. So um, I just listened to another podcast where the guy said that uh, success is uh, measured by the amount of people you get to help to. So. Uh, I think that really got me from just selling physical products to actually doing consulting later on and helping sellers like myself.
0: And it's not about the money you're making. Can we say that what your profits are? Or is it in the millions?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah.
0: This is the part where I feel like you think Andrew was so nice to me. He said something nice about my my kid's picture, and so I agreed to be on. But why am I on with him? Why is he such a jerk when he knows we're not? I'll tell you why. I I feel like the money does matter, and don't don't you get to do more because you have money, because you made money from this business?
1: Money gives you freedom, right? So freedom is is different for everyone, and people spend it in different ways. Um, to How do me, you spend honestly, it? like a. So, to me, honestly, that's what I was going to say. I live in a small kibbutz in Israel, like northern Israel. Uh, we are still renting at this point. Like, we don't really know where we want to kind of settle down and stuff. So, to me, it's not, I don't have a fancy car. I don't really, there. I don't have any guilty pleasures in terms of, like, stuff that I buy for myself or whatever. Like, to me, it's really uh, more about experiences with my family and just doing what I can to to support them. Um, a guy asked me on a different podcast I was on recently if you gi- if I gave you ten million dollars, how would your lifestyle change? I'm like that that won't probably do much, you know, to my existing lifestyle. Um, I do have dreams, you know, that I want to kind of uh, achieve at some point uh, and affect more people, but that's uh, that's like down the road.
0: Before we get into how you did this, why is it that the uh, Amazon sellers that I talk to? Don't say here's my site. I am proud of what I'm selling. Here is the product. Look at the reviews. Let me show your audience. Maybe some of them will buy. You're not the only one, so I'm not I'm I'm not shocked by it, but I'm wondering universally, why is this true almost universally?
1: Yeah, so honestly like in the past I used to be open with what I what I sold. This was back when I started around uh, 2015, 2016. But then when I started kind of doing consulting and stuff like that, I decided to to remove all the everything that I had kind of, uh, showing what I'm selling, uh, removed everything that I, that is basically there, uh, because, uh, it's very easy to do damage to Amazon sellers if you really want to. Um, and if you have, uh, competitors and they know who you are or whatever, like it's just very easy to hurt you. So I think, uh, I think that's one of the reasons, uh, how? there are a few more reasons, but I think, um, how can they hurt you? So well, I, I think it can even be like on a personal level. Like if they don't like who you are or whatever, they might hurt you. Or let's say it's a, another service provider, right? On, on in the space, um, and they want to do damage, they can. There are, are sellers that are fully open with what they sell, and they have um, they have great brands and stuff like that, and, and that's fine. But I just find that even if let's say let's say I, may, I am open with what I sell, I can have thousands of clicks to my listings every single day with no one buying because they just want to see what I'm doing. So that obviously hurts the Amazon algorithm that tanks my ranking on Amazon if they don't purchase. There is more to it than just like a black hat tactics okay. of people shutting me down or whatever.
0: Give me another reason that, that you said that there are multiple reasons why a seller wouldn't want to say what they're selling. What are some of the other reasons that are not the competitor going to knock me out or people just going to mess with the algorithm by checking out my... Yeah,
1: so... So My the profile. most obvious, for at least for beginner sellers, is uh, they worry they're going to be copied by another another seller. So if they just open with what they sell, let's say they hit gold with their product and it's already doing like 30, 50k a month in sales very quickly, then they're kind of afraid of um, revealing what's going on and what they sell and what, how they got that uh, success. Because most products that are being sold on Amazon are relatively simple to copy. Most of them are not patents or anything complex.
0: All right, what about this? Why sell on Amazon instead of say a Shopify store or a WooCommerce store, so many other platforms where you could have a direct relationship with your customer. Somebody could say, buy magic supplies from you. I know that you have experience as a magician. They buy one item from you, they join your mailing list, they get another and another and another, and maybe even before they buy, they they read your blog post where you reveal a few magic tricks and how to do it. And then they sign up so they could learn more. And then eventually they buy like that whole funnel you could own completely. There's a reason why you're on Amazon despite that. What is that?
1: So honestly, like Shopify is a completely different business. It's, um, it's almost like uh, I, in the book, I mentioned that my grandparents had a small mom and pop shop for electronics. So it's kind of like the modern era, like having Shopify stories similar to that, I guess. But it wasn't their products that were selling, like, random stuff. Amazon basically does almost everything for you. So you basically don't need to run ads on TikTok and Facebook and Instagram. And you don't need to build up that audience. You don't need to bring in that traffic. You don't need to do any of that because Amazon is handling all of it for you. They even store your products and ship your products to customers. And if they are prime customers, they get the products within two days free shipping. So... Um, I think the the ease of it in that regard of how easy it is to kind of sell through Amazon. Um, and basically, when people shop on Amazon, they know you don't need to kind of build any trust because for them, if anyone listening ever bought a product on Amazon, in their heads, they bought the product on Amazon. They didn't buy from a specific brand. Um, and usually the way they see it is you right. just bought a random product on Amazon.
0: But that... It- that's not, a, that's not a bad thing that people see that what they bought was from Amazon and don't even notice that
1: you're the seller? So it it really depends, you know, because the biggest sellers that I know and consulted for, these can be eight, even nine figure sellers, are 99% on Amazon. <laughs> so that just shows you can still build a massive mm-hmm. business just by selling on Amazon. And they can have relatively lean teams with um, 10, 20 people and not like huge teams as you would probably need if you had that on Shopify or if you had that as a real brand selling retail or other, other things.
0: You know, the other thing that you've told me in the past was you said, look, Andrew, maybe for some products, people want a relationship with the maker, they want a relationship with the seller. But if someone's buying shoes, or if someone's buying in your case, uh, baby safety equipment, they're not looking for an ongoing email list about baby baby safety equipment. And once they bought it, they're not looking necessarily to come back to the store. There's a whole new batch of people that are coming in. And you say... It's not always a reasonable expectation to build a relationship in a sales funnel for your customers. Sometimes it's better to be on a platform where the customers are. Fair to say?
1: That's very fair to say. I I think that um, when you think about how people shop, let's say on Amazon compared to Shopify, when -hmm. people shop on Amazon, they search for something. Amazon is a search engine. So they type in baby safety product or whatever, baby safety locks or stuff like that. So they type that in and then they click on whatever and they buy yep. it. On Shopify, you need to disturb whatever they're looking at. And just when they kind of scroll their feed, you need to disturb them and then you need to sell them something. So those are usually two different sets of products. And it's not the same. On Amazon, you can sell commodities. And on Shopify, it's a lot more difficult to sell commodities unless you have a unique edge for the product or very good creative um and good copy and maybe you run an ad and then it goes well for a while then it stops doing well so i think i think it's a different ball game um and it's usually like you don't have a lot of products that can kind of sell well on both uh platforms i've also put together events and i really tried to find people that kind of started on amazon went off amazon and did 20 percent off of amazon i could count on a single hand how many people actually achieved that that i personally know like it's it's just difficult it's not i'm not saying it's impossible but it's difficult and the other way around by the way like if you started on Shopify and you want to go into Amazon that might be easier because you already built the brand you established it maybe people are even typing your brand name on Amazon so that's like a lot easier to do
0: okay so let's talk about how you got started you were at a nine to five job working for a government contractor in Israel you had extra time and you said you know I need something else. You were scrolling through one of the Facebook products. You saw an ad for what? And then how did that change your life?
1: Yeah, so I saw an ad for uh, an online course. Uh, Actually, I saw the ad was uh, by Robert Kiyosaki, who I followed on Facebook. I'm not even sure it was an ad. I think it was just like his post. And he said, this is the first thing I'm promoting. This is not my own. And that really grabbed my attention. And then I signed up. Um, the course was $3,500 that was all the money I had in the bank at the time Uh, and I basically uh, signed up for that course Um, and started selling on Amazon with uh, basically no money so the entire savings I had from that job basically went into to stock the first few shipments
0: okay What was that first? Actually, what was it about that course that Robert Kiyosaki was talking about? Robert Kiyosaki is the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. A lot of people have been influenced by his worldview. What was it that they taught you that made you say, I can do this as a business. I'm ready to spend a big chunk of my life on it.
1: I mean, the model made sense to me. You know, the model made sense in in regards to like, this is a scalable business um, and it looked... Uh, it looked real to me Um, and also there wasn't like a lot of information Mm -hmm. out there there weren't like I'm in Israel there weren't a lot of people in Israel kind of doing the same business model so to me it was to me it was really appealing and I really looked to find something to do like in terms of running my own business and I really wanted to do something online um, if I could so that seemed like the best opportunity at the time
0: what's the first product that you sold
1: so I sold um, baby cabinet locks. Uh, that was the first one. Uh, basically, those are locks that um, the toddler cannot open up once they start crawling and, and walking and things like that. Like uh, the cupboards and under the sink. Um, so that was the product. All I really did is I, I went into uh, Alibaba.com. That's where you, you basically have AliExpress. AliExpress is where you, source, where you buy products from China. Uh, usually China. You buy them in like one, two, three, five pieces, and Alibaba is uh, AliExpress is owned by Alibaba, which is a huge company. Um, and in Alibaba, you buy them in in bulk, so you can buy five hundred units, a thousand units. So I, I started with uh, five hundred units, launched in March uh, twenty fifteen, uh, and the product. Uh, so and what all I've done is I found a supplier with a better product than what already existed on Amazon. I didn't modify the product at all; I just bought in a better version of what. Uh, Amazon had to offer, and then um, I also created a pretty good instructional video that no one really had at the time, and the product just took off. Uh, it's quickly, the, um,
0: so. I'm sorry to interrupt. Was the instruct sorry? Sorry to interrupt. Was the instructional video on Amazon, or was it sold? Was it sold with the product? Because I I'm yeah. trying to understand why your product stood out in a market where there's so many of them.
1: Yeah, so back then, um, there weren't so many of them. And mine was kind of unique because uh, on the outside of the cabinet, you couldn't see the lock. Uh, So it's like a magnetic lock now. It's like all over the place on Amazon. So it's a magnetic lock. You basically attach like a small magnet. You put it against the cabinet and then you can open it. So it's... uh
0: I see. You're saying, look... There weren't a lot of these. This was a unique version of it. And I understand as a dad who had to have one of these safety things on, I did not want to have this plastic piece of garbage all over my nice kitchen. I liked that I could have the metal magnetic things that you're talking about where it's hidden. And only I know where where the key is and how to open it or that it's even there. So you had that. And then was the video as part of the sales process or was it a post-purchase inclusion?
1: Yeah, so back then you couldn't. Put a video on the Amazon listing now it's possible to do for everyone Um, back then it wasn't possible but also when you buy a product you don't really go back to Amazon to see a video on how to install that product that doesn't happen you expect to have all of the instructions inside of the product itself so in the product itself we had um, a nice insert inside uh, and we actually I, I as a former magician I really worked on the experience for the customer so we had a um, a very uh, you can say uh, playful letter inside that said uh, like dear mom and dad and then it goes into like the baby thanking their parents for buying this product f- uh, for them for them and uh, we just kind of kept it playful and nice and then uh, in the instructions it said uh, who reads instructions anymore watch the video right like. And then we just send them to watch the video. Mm. So, uh, and when they go to the yeah. link, we don't we don't ask uh, for your name and email. We don't like we just give you the video, uh, just to bring like just to provide a better experience uh, for you. And the cool thing about adding uh, those small things to uh, to the packaging, like an insert, or when you open up the packaging, you have a, a small saying inside or a, a funny phrase or whatever. Like all of those things add value. And let's say there is a piece missing. Let's say the lock is not there. Let's say the key is not there or whatever is missing. You won't run and leave a one-star review on Amazon. You are probably going to reach out because you got value that you didn't expect. Um, That's covered in a lot of detail in the book as well. So um, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to basically... like I think in Amazon specifically, people are really trying to kind of... Uh, over-promise and then under-deliver and then you get a whole bunch of negative reviews. But if you do the opposite, if you underpromise and then over-deliver once they get the product, you are much more likely to get a lot of organic and real five-story views from people.
0: All right, let me tell you about my first sponsor. I think you're going to like this one, Tomer. It's a company called Vaubon. And what they do is they help you become an angel investor with everything buttoned up. Let me give you an example, Tomer, of how you might use this. You're in the Amazon selling world. Let's suppose you come across a company that is selling especially well that you want to invest in to help them grow. Maybe you can find a software company that is useful to Amazon sellers. And because you have inside information about how Amazon works and what's selling on Amazon works, and you have a reputation for yourself, especially now as an author of riding the Amazon Wave, you say, I know this is gonna work well. I know I can help them grow, I'd like to invest. But maybe instead of investing on your own, you say, I know other sellers too who should be investing. And if we pull all of our money together, we could be one big force behind this company as opposed to a lot of little checks that are kind of a distraction for the company. And so what you would do is you would go to volbon.io slash angels. They will set you up with everything you need to lead this investment. And by that, I mean, yes, all the forms that you need and all the onboarding software that you need for your investors who will come on the platform to invest. But also, in the world today, we have Know Your Customer and other rules to make sure that Tomer is not using Vaubon to help, I don't know what, um, launder money or something, right? All these rules that you want to make sure that you don't run afoul of, and Vaubon makes sure that you have it all buttoned up, and that your investors who are backing you, essentially, or backing your investment through you, that they have everything they need to keep track of how their investment is doing. This is a phenomenal company that actually now is part of Carta. and ha- you probably have not done much angel investing, have you, Tomer?
1: No, but um, I have been a little bit consulting a few aggregators. so there are basically companies that are buying Amazon mm-hmm. businesses and in one of them, like I, I right. in, both, in a few of them I have equity. so I, I know about Carta and I have some agreements there with them. so uh, I know all about that. Right.
0: Carta is the software that the company that keeps track of all of our investments. I used to have all these different pieces of paper coming at me essentially by email. Carta put them all together. If I want to know how many shares I have in a company, Carta has it. It's basically like your whole uh, startup portfolio and more. I understand that. But anyway, now Vaubon is part of Carta. Anyone out there who is interested in investing in a company can go to Vaubon.io slash angels, pull some people together and make an investment. And... Tomer, I'm telling you, for you, this would be phenomenal. Imagine if you emailed me and you said, Andrew, I know you and I kind of hit it off and kind of your, your pain in my neck, but I think you're going to like this company. I am pooling a few people together, and we're going to be making an investment in this company. Do you want to join? Of course, I'd be interested. Of course. And the way for you to set that up is Vaubon. I should spell it. Vauban is V-A-U-B-A-N dot I-O slash angels. And one of the beauties of them is they will allow you to get investors from all over the world. They're not U.S. centric. Right. Vauban, thank you so much for sponsoring. Let's continue here. So you finally had a hit. How big was this? How much money did you make from the first baby safety product that you sold?
1: Yeah. So I sold it for a long time. I think it was uh, maybe 12 or 18 months ago that they stopped selling it. So. That was a long, long time because, uh, and the reason I stopped is because it didn't make any, like, financial sense anymore because it became so saturated in Amazon, that specific product. Uh, there was yeah. no margin left, so it didn't make a lot of sense to continue selling it. And products, any product has a life cycle, right? Uh, at some point, like, it's going to it's gonna plateau and, and be done with. So I can say that for the fa- first, like, a few years, even, it was doing over 50K a month in sales pretty quickly. And we basically, Mm -hmm. and then I thought to myself, like this, this works. I understand Amazon. I have one product; it did well. I tried once and it worked. Mm -hmm. And then um, I'm going to do it. You know your stuff. Yeah, I signed up for a course. The course is legit. Everything Uh works as as it should, as they said, you know. And then I basically launched three more products in different niches. Started like new brands. You can call them on Amazon. Um, And then they all tanked. Like they all didn't really work out.
0: What happened at those companies so, that they didn't work out?
1: Yeah, so so multiple products. reasons. I think I I was also pretty cocky with what I thought will work, and I think once you kind of think something worked, you can kind of neglect a bit in your second time around because you think, okay, I know what I'm doing. Uh, but then I launched like more of the same stuff that already existed on Amazon with some of them. Like I didn't really differentiate much. I was also I, like it, it, you need to understand it also takes time. Until you actually get a product live on Amazon because you do, you get samples from China shipped to you and that takes a while and then you, it's not good enough. You fix it again, then it's still not good, you fix it again. Let's say the fourth sample comes in, you're like, okay, it's okay, it's not perfect, but it's, it's good enough. And then you say, let's launch it on Amazon and see what happens. Now, that's a huge mistake because you need to have a really good product when you put it on Amazon. You cannot just have like whatever product because the negative reviews are going to come in if the product doesn't work as it should. And you just waste a lot of time, resources, um, money, obviously. So uh, that's not a good thing. And to me, that's um, to me after those three products, I really thought to myself, okay, what what can I do? Like, what am I going to do next? And then it's not wait, the first one worked. So let's just capitalize on that. So what I did was instead of selling like a four lock set, I started selling an eight lock set and a 12 lock set. And then I brought in like different types of safety products that also started to pick up. Uh, pretty quick like uh, electrical plugs and, and the winners o- other things yeah so I think also Amazon actually rewards you um, in the frequently bought together like they can see it's the same brand they can see like if you just scroll down below the main image on Amazon you also have like a few parts that are frequently bought together and then Amazon Amazon basically wants you to build a brand but on their platform they don't want you to kind of go out of their platform Uh, but they actually reward you for doing that because they see customers are buying multiple products from you. So they show your products more to those people.
0: Tomer, one of the things that you told me before was that before you started selling these three products, and I I don't know all of them, but one of them was some kind of a tent kit with poles or spikes or something that was special. You said before you started selling it, you did your research. But while you were getting ready to launch, you saw that there were already competitors coming in there, but you said, you know what? I already put in my time. It's got to work. And so you went for it. And one of the takeaways for you from that was no more being so committed to one product in the early stage that you have to sell it. You were going to just keep putting a few different products in the hopper so that if you noticed that something wasn't selling, you didn't feel this sense that you had to. Talk about that
1: i think most sellers when they start they have one maybe two products that they work on at the same time and then they feel obligated to launch them what i recommend sellers to do is to have five to ten products that they work on or more obviously the more the better and they i think anyone needs to understand doesn't matter if you have a service or if you have physical products that you sell and you want to launch a new thing you want to launch an online course doesn't matter what it is you need to understand it until you actually launch it, until it actually it actually goes live in Amazon. It's until you pay the actual deposit to supplier, like the initial list. usually it's thirty uh, percent ahead of time, and then seventy percent once it's ready to ship from China. Everything by that point is research. Everything by that point is just validation, getting product developed and ready to go. And it can basically fall at any any time. And also just before we pay the deposit to the supplier we check the market again, we check if, if the market still makes sense to go into, or maybe there are like 50 new competitors for that product on Amazon. Maybe it's even uh, in the book I mentioned a, a lock picking set. So lock picking sets is something I wanted to sell. It's basically a set that teaches you how to pick a lock. <laughs> like that's that's the product, a terrible product yep. to you basically sell in market. You don't really want to stand behind such a product probably. And that's why in the US it became a prohibited product to be sold on Amazon specifically. And I was already in the production process for it.
0: You're saying to me, you were already getting ready to sell a lock picking set. And suddenly Amazon says, actually, we can't have this on our platform anymore. And now occasionally I'll see it on there. But you're saying they take it off as soon as they catch it. How far along were you? And then why did Amazon decide that a lock picking set is a problem?
1: Yeah, so maybe, maybe let's backtrack a bit so I can kind of give the full story of this. Because they checked the numbers initially on Amazon. I saw everyone is doing amazing. Everyone is like doing 30K, 50K, 100K a month in sales and have very low reviews. They have like 50 to 100 reviews, all of them. So I'm like, this is an amazing opportunity. I reached out to some suppliers, got the samples, and then I had a cool idea. I said to myself, okay, I'm doing e-commerce. And when you do e-commerce, you can basically do whatever you want to the packaging. I don't need to stay uh, and do what everything else that you see in retail. So my idea was, let's design a box that is black all around has a small lock in the front and just looks like a deposit box. And then on the bottom of it, it was white and there we have like a a bit of more text about the tools and they had Made in China and the barcode and stuff like that. But it looks like a deposit box all around. And then when you open it up from the lock side, it says, congrats, you've just picked your first lock. So doing that, that that idea was to create like like a much nicer experience for the customer compared to what everyone else did. So we did that, I paid the 30% deposit to the supplier, and then I went in to kind of create a shipment in Amazon telling them new stock is coming in, and I see my listing is like, I cannot even create the listing, I check the sales on Amazon again, and I see everyone doesn't exist anymore, like none of them are in Amazon. Um, So I went into the prohibited product list on Amazon, it actually showed up there as lockpicking sets, I assume it became illegal in multiple countries or multiple states in, in the US, that's usually the case, and then Amazon sh- shuts it down um, completely on their platform. Uh, that happened to a few more products from sellers I consulted for over the years on different products, and uh, I had other cases where it happened to me as well, unfortunately. So uh, I eventually got almost all of the money back from the supplier, um, but that is like one example of a product that we really wanted to develop. I think it's a, it was a really good idea at the time, but unfortunately we got shut down.
0: I see it. It's on a list on Amazon's prohibited list along with theft devices. And so Amazon considers it to be a tool to allow somebody to pick a lock and then go in and steal. All right. So tell me about some of the things that work. What worked in the beginning? What works now for selling online on Amazon? Teach us a little bit.
1: What worked in the beginning was basically you find a product on Amazon, you put a label on it from China, and then you launch it, and it might might work, it might not. But a lot of times it worked if you picked a good product. These days Amazon is a lot more competitive, so you really need to have a better edge with your product, like have something unique about it. Or this is what I recommend sellers: instead of doing like heavy development for your products, is go into niches where there is a lot a lot of barriers of entry. What I mean by that is in the past, like in the courses that were teaching Amazon, they all said you need to find a small, light product, one piece, not complex, no electronics, uh, no FDA approvals, nothing like that. And just make it very simple to kind of source and ship it to to Amazon. What I'm telling sellers these days is if you do that strategy, even if you find that, let's say, perfect product, it's going to become saturated by the time you get it to Amazon. So instead of what you should do is you should find products that have a very high barrier of entry. So either they're expensive or oversized, heavy, um, or very cheap, right? Very, very small products that don't seem like it's even possible to make a profit with. Or products that require FDA approval. We were selling thermometers during COVID, right? So uh, shipping them from Taiwan to Amazon, we were actually selling them before COVID. And then on COVID, we made a lot of money selling those. So to me, it's like if you can find products that actually require, have a lot of requirements, uh, that's actually a good thing because you need to figure it out once. You just sold it once in terms of sourcing it. And then once you sell it, you don't have, you are not, uh, com- you're not competing and bringing the price down and the price war with uh, competitors uh, coming in every single day. Uh, so to me, that's the name of the game now. Like the the money is in the, in the power development, in the sourcing, that's where you really make your money. And then once you have that better product and barrier of entry, then it's like the game is easy from that point.
0: So basically what you're saying is things that seem impossibly hard to sell on Amazon are what you should be doing. Things that require FDA approval, which is really difficult. Things that are so heavy, like an exercise bike that you almost wonder how could they even afford to ship it out or super inexpensive.
1: Is, yeah, is yeah, there yeah, any yeah. way to
0: get repeat business? Like if you sell to somebody... Sorry, go ahead with that. And then let's talk repeat business.
1: Yeah, so definitely I think... Um, and, and what I can say is the way I validate products is I basically want to say it's already selling on Amazon and making some money because again, Amazon is a search engine. So if someone is not searching for it, then no one is buying it. So if it's like an exercise bike, I can basically say I'm launching exercise bike. Um, and then you can do different things like you don't have to even stay in that niche of selling to everyone. So another thing you can do is I believe that any saturated niche, doesn't matter what the niche is, is an opportunity. So let's say exercise bike is a good example because one of the products we looked at recently was exercise bikes for kids, right? So you basically can niche down uh-huh. and you can always <laughs> niche down either to an audience uh-huh. or you can niche down to a specific use of the product. So. Um, a specific audience is for kids a specific use use can be exercise bike for triathlon right that's like a specific use that you're saying this is for athletes specifically it's like the most professional bike out there or whatever so you can basically say it's just for just for them Um, another good example of a um, actually that can also be an audience but one good example of a use can be let's say bluetooth headphones so if you think about bluetooth headphones and you, now you have, like, because it's such a just a saturated niche, you have Bluetooth headphones for running in the rain, right? Or for running away, outside. And then you have uh, Bluetooth headphones for gaming, right? Which is, like, it's a different product that only has one major use. And that's why people are buying it.
0: I saw a Bluetooth headphone for sleep. I immediately bought them. I love having these earphones in my ears while I sleep. I don't disturb my wife. They don't bother me. They don't press in my ears. The only thing is that they look a little dorky. You know, I'm trying to like sleep with this woman in every way we're talking about. It's a little weird for me to have these Bluetooth earphones in when I'm in bed, but I don't care. I I like having my podcasts on while I'm asleep. Um... So that's what you're talking about. Where's the niche thing that you wouldn't expect people um, would want would would use a mainstream product. You've told me in the past how you can identify something like Bluetooth earphones for sleep. What are you doing? Are you looking at searches on Amazon? Is there a way to do that?
1: Yeah, so uh, Bluetooth headphones for sleep. um, Yeah, I mentioned that uh, a couple of times, I think in different lectures I've done, but if you just go to Amazon and you type in Bluetooth headphones 4, right? That's what you type in. You can just come up with a bunch of examples ah, like of what people yeah. are actually typing in. You can see like the automatic search results. There Amazon actually also gives you back-end tools and analytics. There is something called brand analytics. They actually give you a lot of um, backend data that is not accessible to just uh, customers. And then you also have different software out there. Uh, like SaaS companies, uh, specifically for Amazon sellers that are also showing you even more data by scraping Amazon, by collecting data from all of their customers selling on Amazon.
0: Um, Right. What are some of those good um, sites for getting information like that about what's going on on Amazon?
1: Yeah, so I think the leading software these days is called Helium 10. So Helium 10 is... uh, uh basically they can help with pretty much everything from like product research they can even show you so you you click anything you go to bluetooth headphones you click on their extension which i think is free and then uh it will just show you all the revenue all the sales like monthly of what everyone is doing on amazon so that can give you like a rough idea on what's going on
0: so dude i just did right now a search for bluetooth headphones for And running came up, which I kind of anticipated for girls, which kind of makes sense. Um, I could see that. All right. I want to do an ad for my, I want to do an ad for my second sponsor. And then I, why don't I let you finish your thoughts? Sorry. And then I'll come back and do the ad. And then I want to talk about what makes like a six star experience as you call it. But yeah, what were you going to say about the truck driver headphones?
1: Yeah. So again, I think it's, uh, I think that's exactly right. And I think, one thing I just want to say about this is uh, I think you need to also think where do you take this brand? Because you cannot basically launch headphones to slip with and then headphones for truck drivers and then headphones for yoga. And then like you cannot keep doing that with the same product. It doesn't really work well on Amazon because you're t- trying to target different people with the same product. You almost become a factory at that point. So what you really want to do is you want to say, okay, I'm selling products for truck drivers. So let's do headphones for truck drivers and then let's do there were some weird products i consulted for in the past but uh they they can be like a truck how do you call it like a camera right that you can kind of see the road so you can even sell that let's say just for trucks or whatever so i mean those are things or let's say a a phone holder for truck right i'm sure that's like a major keyword people are typing in um, so you can basically target those people in different ways, and then you want to build a brand around those truck drivers.
0: Okay, second sponsor, call a company called Lemon.io. Tomer, imagine if you decide that what you want to do is actually create your own software for people who are selling online. Maybe internal software that nobody else is going to see. You just say, I need to be able to do Whatever. Do you have any ideas in mind? It looks like um, I'm looking at the look on your face and it seems like you have a couple of products in mind. What What would you want a software developer from, say, Lemon.io to do for you?
1: Yeah, so actually you mentioned this last time and I actually checked the website right after um, our call and I uh, said to my team as well, we're probably going to uh, try it out to see what's going to happen because we do have basically internal spreadshe- spreadsheets we've developed for ourselves and we try to also sit a bunch of times to different places around the world, and we always, uh, like, I think it was always like the communication wasn't right, the people weren't right, I think we didn't even describe exactly what we want in a a good way, so I think um, that looks like a very good solution for that, so we're going to try it out.
0: Yeah, and was I right about the site? Doesn't it have, like, this quirky, interesting vibe over on (laughs) Lemon.io?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah.
0: I freaking love that team. All right. So anyone out there, if you have a product that you don't have enough resources to build, maybe your team is already working on something else. Maybe it's something that's completely out of left field, but needs to get built. If you want to hire developers, get them fast. And more importantly, have them be the right match for you. I want you to challenge the people over at lemon.io. If you go to lemon.io slash mixergy, tell them what you're looking for. Let them find the perfect match for you. And I think you'll be amazed by how well it works. No obligation if you're not happy, but if you are, you're going to be having a long-term relationship with a developer that will change the course of your business. All you have to do to give it a shot is go to lemon.io slash Mixergy. When you do, they'll take great care of you because they'll know that you come from me, and I've known the founder of Lemon for years. Number one, and number two, they'll also take some... um, They'll, they'll give you a discount on their already low price. And by the way, their price is so low because they they started out with these Ukrainian developers who are phenomenal, but nobody appreciated how good they were. And so they were underpriced. And so Lemon teamed you up with uh, Ukrainian developers. Since the war, uh, they've actually found developers from other countries too and expanded their business. But um, they've been uh, phenomenal throughout. And I can't believe that they're able to continue to grow considering what's happening in Ukraine. And they are a Ukrainian company. I love them. Go to Lemon.io slash Mixergy. All right. You say, look, you need, if you're selling on Amazon, to have a six-star experience, not five stars. Yes, their platform only goes to five stars, but you need to have it be so good that people wish there was a whole other star to give. And you have some techniques for how to do it and examples of how you've done it or how your clients have done it. Give me some. Let's be specific about what it takes to get that six-star experience that people love so much.
1: Yeah, so two examples I shared so far was the inserting the baby thing that we did, and the other was the uh, thing that we tried to do with the lock picking set as well. Um, in the baby brand, we still do that across our products, basically just trying to be playful and kind of communicating that to the customers. Um, one thing that I've seen on Amazon that was really interesting is uh, makeup brush makeup uh, brush set on Amazon that basically they just have some pictures on, on the listing. But when you buy it, it comes gift wrapped already, and I I realized that just by going to reviews because they got like a ridiculous amount of five star reviews very quickly, and I thought this is fake. It's not. It's probably fake reviews or something like that. But then I kind of went into the images in the reviews, and then I saw there were a lot of different gift wraps there, and they just basically gift wrap it in China, ship it with just a label, just the barcode, and made in China on it, like whatever you need yeah. uh, for Amazon and. And to sell in the US, and that was it. And that's like the only differentiator they had from their competitors. And then a lot of people reviewed and said, Oh, I felt like a gift for myself. I, or they said I actually didn't need, needed to gift wrap it for my girlfriend or wife or whatever. Like it just uh worked for them. So I think um the way you can also see this stuff, by the way, specifically on Amazon, is if you look uh you can even check like review velocity, right? So you can see how many reviews a product got in the last 30 days or something like that the average is probably anywhere between i would say two percent to five percent review rate so that means for every hundred sales you get five reviews uh, so if you, you see something with like eight reviews or ten reviews in terms of like uh, percentage like eight percent ten percent that's extremely high uh there are some categories where that might happen regardless so like it depends on the on the product you're selling like if it's uh Disposable cups—you're probably not going to get a lot of reviews because people buy it for their party and whatever; they don't have a reason to review that product. But if they buy a diaper bag, right, or um, or whatever, then it's a very personal item, and then they feel more kind of uh, not obligated, but they feel um, like they they can write a review about it. Um, so I think that's um, that's one thing to think about.
0: There was another one where you said that there's a gift, like you're. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so what I will say is that you need to think about the experience from beginning to end. So obviously the experience starts on Amazon from your listing, and then it continues to when they get the product, they open up the packaging. Maybe you can write something on the inside of the packaging, right? Like, congrats, you have just picked your first lock. Maybe when they take the product out, they go to watch a video, or they have an insert inside. You can give value there. They watch the video, maybe you can give value there. They use the product. Maybe when they store the product, right, around the house, maybe you can do something something there even the packaging itself uh, there was a brand that consulted for um selling basically kids products and the packaging is basically thrown away and i gave them the uh, the idea to basically turn it into like an kind of like an origami package but then it like becomes a toy for the kid afterwards so i mean there are so many things you can do when you kind of think about every touch point with the customer and what can be done there um to just improve on the experience
0: what about returns Dude, lately I've been going over to Whole Foods to return things from Amazon and they don't want anything. They don't need a box for it. They don't even necessarily even need the packaging that it came in, though I always keep the packaging because I'm kind of OCD about it. But I look at the way some people return things and I think, this is kind of sloppy. I know we're all making mistakes if you're if you're able to just buy a bunch and then return it with no problem. You're going to make a mistake in returning things. How are you as a seller able to keep track of the returns and have them be in good enough con- condition that it even matters? Do you, don't you do you get ripped off by people who just either keep part of it or in some cases just forget to return parts of what you, they bought from you? I'm seeing some recognition here. Tell me about this.
1: You do. So I have a crazy example of that, uh, which is unfortunate. But uh, a client of mine was selling uh, screen projectors For the pool. For the outdoors. Like you put it in front of your pool. And it's like a huge screen projector. You buy the projector separately. And it also comes with like a blower. To kind of blow it up. You know what I mean? You plug it in. And it kind of blows it up in like two minutes. So what people did. They bought two. They bought two. They took projector from one. The blower from the other. And they said this one did come with a blower. This one did come with a projector. And refunded both. To Amazon. (laughs) So... Uh, The seller and their seller realize this because why would someone buy two, right? And then why would someone refund two? And then uh, they send everything to their own warehouse, like to like you can basically use you can use Amazon fulfillment for selling everything and also even for refunds. But when you sell like oversized items, expensive items, you want to have your own kind of facility that you just use, right? It's not necessarily your own warehouse. You just kind of use their warehouse space. For your products and then you can have some people there to kind of take care of your products and you can have like other pieces there um, for your products to kind of put them back together if you need to or let's say packaging right people send it without the packaging can kind of package it there if you need to and you ship it back to amazon so they realized it that way they tried to deal with it with amazon and they couldn't figure it out eventually Uh, that business was sold um, a few years back so that's why i can kind of talk about it more freely but overall what happens with returns is it goes back to amazon amazon decides if it's sellable or not and then it just goes back on the shelf unfortunately a lot of times amazon is putting stuff on the shelf that is not really sellable and you can kind of cancel that but unless you ship it to your own warehouse it's still going to happen regardless of what you tell amazon so um, for sellers that have most sellers are selling products let's say up to between 20 to 60 bucks that's usually the price range of products that are being sold. In that price range, like dealing with an outside warehouse is like too much of a hassle for most. Um, returns is probably around, uh, like it's should be less than 5% for sure. But if it's like 1%, half a percent, whatever, like it's not, like you just take it as an added expense and don't really overthink it too much.
0: They just, and then what do you do with it? Do you throw it out?
1: Yeah, so you have multiple options. One of them is to throw it out. Uh, which is a bit unfortunate i think one thing that i've done with the baby brand is i I donated (laughs) every year uh like what amazon does is they also give you like certain times of the year where you can kind of liquidate access stock especially like unsellable products you can just try to liquidate them and they always ask them to kind of take pictures and send them over to me if i donate uh the products like baby proofing products to like um orphanage and, and places like that so um, I always ask them for pictures and...
0: Meaning you find it or no, no, Amazon I find finds it. it? I
1: find it then I, I send it to them. So what always happens with that... And, and also it. like that's, that's okay. all, also like a tax write-off for you because you donated that instead of just th- throwing it out. So it's kind of good for everyone when you do that. But the, the interesting thing is when they send me pictures, it looks like everything is almost in perfect condition and should be sold on Amazon. So um again i think it's just uh it's just something good good you can do regardless obviously of uh of making like profit by doing it
0: there was a guy i don't even know how to find him but amazon i mean uh, youtube's algorithms were serving him up to me what he would do is he would take his returns with a camera on him and a couple of guys around him and just open it up and go look at this we now have a phone that someone returned he opens up the box and whoa, there's a brick inside the box and everyone just kind of like hooting. And I was watching them for a bit, but eventually you get tired of seeing the same scams over and over again. You feel bad for the guy. And then Amazon, I guess, stopped, uh, YouTube stopped serving uh, those videos up. That's the, the smartest, funniest thing that I've seen done with it. I, I, I feel really bad for sellers like you on there.
1: Yeah, I mean, there are always going to be bad players, I think, but uh, I would say that's the minority, obviously. So I think uh, most customers on Amazon love Amazon, love buying on Amazon, uh, really love the platform. And also, in terms of reviews, they, uh, especially in the US, like they will really. Uh, a five star review is something like that. That's the majority, are leaving five star reviews on products. So anything under five stars hurts you, right? Like a four star brings you closer to four stars than, than five. So um if you want to say let's say five or four and a half stars that's like the that's where you want to be in most products then uh anything under five hurts you right all
0: right how about one last tip for building a business on amazon one of the things uh, yeah well you know your book ride the amazon wave is full of them is there one that if somebody is getting started they could use and i know that you usually consult with people who are way further ahead than getting started you're talking about the the bigger uh, sellers on Amazon. But is there one thing you can think of from Ride the Amazon Wave that people who are new would, would be helped by?
1: Yeah, so the book was really written for active sellers. And these can also be people that are already selling products, physical products, and they want to go into Amazon or they do Shopify and they want to go into Amazon or whatever. So that's the the right book for them. What I will say, I think, and this is what is neglected by almost every seller I ever spoke to, and this cannot even be like bigger sellers, not just like beginners, but all the courses teach you everything you learned on Amazon is basically how to look for a product, launch it on Amazon, then maybe a bit of supply chain, a bit of advertising on Amazon, but that's it. And if you just keep launching a product after product, it's all going to collapse on top of you. So you really need to have... Uh, you need to launch more products, but at the same time, you, you need to build up your team and you need to build up your systems and processes uh, as well. So you need to do all of those at the same time because you don't want to be, get burnt out. And you also want to have a scalable business and launching just launching products is not not scalable at all.
0: And so what you're saying is think about focusing on one product with a team of people and allow or one kind of customer and go deep. Is that it?
1: Yeah, yeah, that that's it. And also the first hire should happen as soon as you can afford it. Probably uh, the sooner the better, uh, even if you don't think you need that person, you do, because uh, what I recommend sellers do is basically what most sellers are going to bring to unfortunately, is you need someone for customer supports so hire that person. You need someone for product research, hire a second person. Then you need advertising a third person. What I recommend sellers is when you usually start to hire you don't have that much work so you hire someone for two hours a day three hours a day that's very messy so instead of what you want to do is you want to hire someone that is management material right that can be from overseas that can be local whatever but you want to hire someone who is management material because if you look at any successful startup you have the core team right you have the core team of like three four people that are super talented and, uh, and know what they're doing. So if you hire someone who is material, you can teach them a lot of different aspects of the business and they can help you hire that, let's say outsource team to, to cheaper places than hire, let's say in the US. Um, and they can train them, right? So you only train like one or two people and then they can help you build up the rest of the team.
0: All right, let me close with this. On a personal note, you're in a kibbutz. Is it still like the whole socialist thing there where everyone kind of co-owns the assets of the kibbutz, where kids go and live in like a kid's area and adults get to live together with their spouses? Or is, is the situation different now?
1: No, it's uh, totally different. It's kind of like a small town. So it's uh, just standard stuff. We just have some agriculture here. Um like, we get avocados and mangoes and whatever, like, uh, different season of the year, and that's, uh, that's pretty much it. Like, it's uh, just very good education for the kids that go out on trips all the time, and, and the, so I think for them it's uh, it's heaven. But um, we live here, it's like 15 minutes from my wife's parents' house, so um, I think that's that's why, and it's the probably most beautiful place in Israel. Like in terms of location and what's around us, So you have rivers and you have mountains and you have whatever. So, uh, very okay. nice. Um, if anyone listening and they want to come, just let me know.
0: So it's more like a commu- it's more like a small community with some like shared experiences for kids and families than it is uh, an old school commune at this point. And you still do
1: visitors on the yeah, yeah exactly yeah
0: oh i mean, you're saying anyone who wants to experience this can hit you up and let you know i know that at one point uh the kibbutz experience in israel meant you can come and visit maybe even work on the property for a week so oh, you experience yeah. it and work for your for your home but not anymore you're laughing at that this is more like if you want to visit oh. a kibbutz and oh. see like a small town come see it but don't expect the old 1960s experience here anymore
1: exactly yeah <laughs>
0: All right, dude, it is 10 p.m. I am so grateful to you for doing this. You are actually even willing to do this at 1130 p.m. your time. I'm, I'm grateful that you did it with me not just once but now twice. We've been on bulletproof software here with Riverside, but there have been a few issues, and I'm, I'm glad that we could re- redo this. The website, for anyone who's interested in connecting with you directly, I've been on your email list. That's how we stayed in touch. Was, what is it called? It's like Top Dog or something. I, I was on it a while back, and now I'm just getting your email. What's yeah. your site?
1: Yeah, so if you go to jointopdog.com, that's the website. Um, you can also check out my name, tomorabinovich.com. Um and both have the book on there. If you get, just go to Amazon, obviously. Type in right the Amazon wave. That's where you get the book. And the book also sends you to a lot more free content, like live lectures I've done on stages, podcasts, uh, different podcasts that I've I was on as well. Yeah, so a lot, all of my stuff, basically, almost all of it is free. So uh, I don't really hide anything in terms of strategies, tactics, stuff like that.
0: And I've been on your side. It's not like you've got some even upsell to get me into a course. You're basically just teaching, 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 talking about this. And then a few higher end sellers contact you and they hire you. But for the rest of us, it's here's a primer and how to sell on Amazon. All right. Thank you so much for being on here. And I want to thank the two sponsors who made this interview happen. The first, if you're looking to invest in startups with a pool of other people, sometimes you don't even you don't even have to invest your own money, though it helps. But if you want to, because you found an interesting company and told me I'm talking to you specifically, but also to everyone in the audience, what you could do is when you find a company that you want to invest in, you go to Vaubon V-A-U-B-A-N dot IO and you can pool together a few invest investors and make an investment in a company that you believe in and help them back them and all of you ride the startup wave too and i'm grateful to them you don't even need a url with them they they'll they'll know that you came from me and the second when you do want to hire a developer use my url you get a discount and that way they'll also know that you came from me go to lemon.io slash mixergy i'm grateful to them and to you tomer thanks so much for being on here man
1: thank you andrew